Welcome to the Growth Investing Secret Podcast. This is Calvin Sito. And this is Jonathan Ang. The reason why we started this podcast is to help each household to have at least one full-time investor by investing to high-growth companies called Superstocks. We didn't come from well-to-do backgrounds and after many years of investing, we finally became full-time investors before the age of 30. This was only possible with growth investing. Our mission is to help both beginner and experienced investors get better investment returns. Don't settle for less. It is very possible that you can achieve out-of-the-world results and we have proven that it is possible through the returns of our community. So now, let's be committed to learn, dive in and get started on today's episode. All content from participants shall not be treated as professional advice or recommendation to buy or sell any position in any financial-related instruments. The content is made available for educational purpose only. We may buy any securities mentioned and we may stand to benefit financially if they rise in value. You should seek independent financial and legal advice before making any financial decisions. Hey everyone, welcome to the Growth Investing Secrets Podcast. I'm your host, Bjorn, and today we are very fortunate to have the CEO of Camplify, Justin Hills, to join us and share more about his company. So for listeners who are new to this company, Camplify is a peer-to-peer recreational vehicle or RV marketplace that just recently IPO in Australia this year. They are on a mission to become the world's largest, most trusted caravan and campervan sharing community, making van life accessible to all. And based in Australia, Camplify now has a global community of van owners and holiday makers operating in New Zealand, UK and Spain. So Justin, I'm very thankful for you to be here and for you agreeing to be part of this podcast as well. So to start off, you know, being the CEO of Camplify, could you share with us the story of why and how you started Camplify? Was there like an epiphany moment that you had that drove you to start the business? Yeah, firstly, uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate uh, inviting me on the podcast. Hello to all of your listeners. Uh, so yeah, the, the story behind Camplify was um, essentially my wife and I decided that we'd like to go on a caravan and camping trip. I'd always been on caravanning trips when I was a kid. That's what my family did all the time. Every every school holidays, we would go away in, in a caravan. We'd meet up with all of our family in a location and, and go camping together. My wife hadn't really done that. And so uh, as an adult, she said, I'd like to try that out. And you know, we, we started looking into options. We wanted to be able to take our dog with us as well. And we couldn't find anywhere that was just easy to be able to hire something that was good quality, uh, that provided us with everything that we needed, that was in our local neighborhood, was competitively priced. Uh, and was pet friendly. So there was really no no option for that. But every day we'd sort of talk about planning this holiday and we'd walk around our, our local neighborhood and we realized that we were passing every couple of hundred meters someone else's caravan or, or camper van that was parked on the side of the road. And so, you know, I thought, oh, wouldn't it be great if we could hire our neighbors because that would be so easy and there was these were never being used. So I started to sort of, you know, research around that and found out how, how that we could facilitate that. And then at the same time, a former colleague of mine who uh, I used to work in his startup, he had started the Business Accelerator Program. And that Accelerator Program was being run on behalf of the National Roads and Motoring Association in Australia or uh, NRMA which is a a road services company uh, that provides membership services to road users, including uh, breakdown cover and loads of different member services for all all different types of people using the road. And so they were looking for ideas around road trips. So put a uh, 
a pitch deck together. I created the website, you know, ran some some marketing activities and found that people were really interested in this and that there was a lot of customers or prospective customers out there. So we applied to the program, got in the program and then, you know, sort of the idea behind Campify developed from there. Oh, that's, that's very interesting, Justin. And, you know, as the role of the CEO, for you, there are different priorities on your plate, on your on your shoulders each day. And it's definitely not easy to balance everything now. So could you share with our curious listeners, what does a day in the Campify CEO life looks like? Yeah, I guess it's changed a lot because being a founder in the business, you do everything. So I've basically done every job at Camplify from uh, writing code through to talking to customers to running AdWords, you know, marketing campaigns. So, you know, now my role is more around developing the team. It's around talking to investors and shareholders. It's around looking at opportunities for us to expand, whether that be through uh, partnerships or through acquisitions. It's around looking at how we can improve the product, uh, what's the customer experience. Uh, So it's, you know, it's kind of a mix of all those kind of things, but more at a strategic level and, and being able to then help the people in the right teams that we have to be able to really deliver on those outcomes in line with that strategy. Great. Thanks for bringing us along to a day day in your life. And talking about your team, I would just like to touch a little bit on the culture at Camplify. So could you share with us what is distinctive about Camplify's culture? Yeah, I think um, it comes from a couple of different backgrounds. So I think, you know, the first one is we are a relatively young company. You know, we've been around for about uh, seven or eight years now. So we've always done everything. Of course, we went through that accelerator program. We've always done everything from a very startup focused uh, methodology. So looking at lean business methodologies, uh, you know, agile development, you know, focusing on how we can test, measure, learn, uh, build an MVP version before we actually go out there, understand what the customer wants, understand how the customer is going to use something, build it, deliver, test it and scale it. So everything we, we do is in that that way of uh, doing things. That means that we're not committing masses amounts of dollars to something until we know that it's going to work. So, uh, you know, really focused on on that data and how we can deliver results around that. And and I guess the other side of things is that, uh, you know, my... My personal background is from a, a teaching background. I just right, studied at university, so you know I'm I'm very much about how I can help develop the t- the members of the team, uh, how I can enable them, how could, how can I instill this culture of taking responsibility, being able to do things and deliver things yourself, and being able to understand that that startup methodology, and then being able to help them to deliver and, and grow as individuals inside the development of the company. Oh, that's really amazing. And, you know, in my opinion, culture is an important aspect that brings the team together towards a common purpose. And, you know, for your early hires, what do you think compelled them to join Campify? And moving forward, how do you plan to attract uh, high quality talents on board to build this company together with you? Yeah, I think, um, you know, we were obviously building something that was quite exciting. We have a a great product. We have a great objective uh, to be able to you know, become this world leader in the space that we're in. We've we've grown very fast from day one. You know, we're a pretty. It's a pretty cool company to work for. You know, we're we're a, a camper vanning company at, at at its heart. And so, you know, for us, I guess from the beginning, where we we have our offices in a, a town called Newcastle. And Newcastle is um, the world's largest 
coal exporter. So there's huge amount of uh, coal mines, uh, there's massive coal ship terminals, and uh, it's traditionally been a very industrial city, but a very innovative city because there's a lot of technology that's gone into optimizing that supply chain in the coal industry. So from you know, my perspective, I know a lot of people that work in technology in the, in the, uh, in the town. And for people to be able to move away from uh, that coal environment, and move to something you know that is uh, a bit more fun, you know, less uh, environmentally impactful, and being able to you know do be be a part of something from the ground up has been really appealing to lots of people that have come to work for us. So um, you know it's it's great to be able to help those people who want to be a part of that culture to develop. And you know we've been able to get bring in people from all different areas, lots of experience in lots of different you know similar type of um, backgrounds to be able to sort of contribute to how we're growing Camplify. All right. Thanks, Justin. That sounds really wonderful. I think, you know, being able to join this growing company is definitely this exciting opportunity that everyone would love to be part of. So I would like to shift gears a little bit and talk about the recent acquisition that Camplify made. So recently, you announced the acquisition of Mikeway and Share Camper, which are the number one and two market leader of the peer-to-peer -peer RV marketplace in New Zealand from Tourism Holdings. And this makes Camplify the undisputed peer-to-peer uh, you know, -peer RV market leader in both New Zealand and Australia. So what is your thought process or framework before deciding to acquire a company? Yeah, so we, we look at a, a few different metrics. So, you know, for us, uh, we have a real desire to really create a, a very stable business in the markets that we're in. So that's uh, you know, Australia, New Zealand, UK and Spain to really build a great moat around the business. You know, our objective is to not only be number one, but be in a position where we offer more and a better service to our customers than anyone else does. And for, so from our perspective, that's one of the reasons that we looked at that particular acquisition. Uh, but then we also look at, you know, what are the actual key metrics we're trying to achieve? So what's the customer acquisition cost that we're paying in that market? How long will it take us to, to acquire the customers that we uh, are getting as part of that purchase? What can we offer those customers that makes us appealing to take that customer to the next level. So how can we develop those customers and increase the overall customer base even more? How can we leverage the existing customers that we have in that acquisition? How can we add value to those customers and build out that product set even more? And then what are the other products that uh, we have in our business that we can offer those customers that really makes it easier and better for them? but also increases our overall take rate and, and uh, revenue from those customers that uh, are already transacting with that particular uh, platform. All right, that's, that's really insightful. And you know, talking about tourism holdings, uh, they and Apollo are two of the largest traditional RV rental companies in New Zealand and Australia, respectively. And I think it's very interesting to know that Apollo is an investor, an early investor in Campify, while tourism holdings are the ones that agreed to sell uh, the peer-to-peer -peer RV business, which we just talked about to Camplify. So what do you think caught the attention of these two big players to want to partner with Camplify? Yeah, well, I think, you know, Apollo invested in us in uh, 2017. So, you know, I'd like to say they've been an investor for quite some time. And I think, um, so from their perspective, that they've got a very traditional model of building fleet themselves, renting that fleet, and then selling that fleet. And so, you know, they've, they've seen that model of servicing customers, particularly inbound tourists into Australia and, and in the other markets that operate in, and, you know, being able to have to build facilities to do that from 
build a team to do that from finance all these all these vehicles that they have you know but going through that whole process of you know building from the ground up this entire business but interestingly enough from Apollo's perspective uh, you know they're primarily a, a family owned business even though they're now listed on the stock exchange the the people that uh, are the two key directors of that business Carl and Luke they started that business with their with their parents so where they actually started the business from was renting one vehicle on the weekend while it wasn't in use. So it's a very similar peer-to-peer model that Camplify is actually built on. That's how they started. So they, they actually understood the peer-to-peer environment and they grew their business into you know, a different type of product and service. But what they could see was that there was a real need for to service that domestic tourism uh, sector and that the way we had this huge distribution of customer and that we could connect people in those local neighbourhoods just like my story that I told at the start, you know, being able to um, to really uh, hone in on, on that uh, that problem that the customer had, you know, that really enabled them to invest in something that was really solving that problem that that their business wasn't focused on, and they knew that their their business was that core business of build, rent, sell. Uh, they're not digital providers. Uh, they're not great at being uh, a modern platform software development company. So, you know, from their perspective, investing in us gave them both of those two focuses, being able to allow us to grow and service that particular problem, uh, but also allowing them to focus on, on their core problem that they were solving. And I think, you know, THL is very similar. You know, they've, they've tried to solve that problem themselves by building their own marketplace, you know, in my way. And then, it, then they, they purchased Share Camper. And I think, you know, what they found from doing that is that they have a great set of core competencies, but they're not necessarily digital software development experts and marketing experts in, in that particular uh, type of environment. Uh, whereas, you know, that's what we do. That is our core. Uh, and we've proven that we've done it very well in the Australian market. Uh, you know, we were growing fast in all these other markets, particularly in the New Zealand market. So from their perspective, you know, they're able to now be a part of a bigger journey and actually you know, help us to grow even more and take what they've built uh, and really enhance it uh, into that market. Well, that's interesting. And I think what makes Camplify very exciting is you guys started right from the ground, a digital marketplace, and, and not you know from a traditional point of view and changing towards a digital. So it's always, mm-hmm. it's like a cloud-based company, right? You know, beginning Correct, from yeah. digital, it's much easier to scale. It's much yep. easier to grow the platform. And now I want to move on a bit on the business model. And as of the Q1 financial year 2022, we see that Campify has about 6.4K fleet supply on your platform. And you know, out of the total 750K registered RVs in Australia, that is barely you know, 1% of the total market penetrated. Obviously, a lot of opportunities right there. So could you share with us some of the marketing initiatives to accelerate this penetration and capture more total addressable market? Yeah, so I think to answer that, you've probably got to understand the evolution of the customer in the Australian RB market. So, you know, traditionally speaking, when people in Australia think about caravanners, they think about the grey nomads, which are the older owners of vehicles who retire, buy a caravan or a motorhome and and do a a trip, do lots of trips in Australia. Well, that's actually changed dramatically in the last couple of years. And so now the average uh, age of someone who owns a vehicle in this space is actually mid-30s. So what we're doing is being able to evolve and, and provide products and services with that demographic as it's changing. So you know, we now have this group of customers who they understand the sharing economy. You know, they've been 
essentially grown up in the last few years with Airbnb and Uber and you know you name it, all those different services. They understand the part that the sharing economy plays. They understand the value that a platform plays in being able to help and protect them. And they understand how they can leverage you know, the investment they've made in, into an asset to be able to allow them to purchase the vehicle they really want to purchase and still being able to, to not sacrifice in other areas. So, you know, I think what we're seeing in the Australian market in, in particular is uh, significantly uh, increasing uh, prices of real estate and and the without the wages dramatically increasing. So, you know, now when someone makes a decision as to well, will I spend seventy, eighty thousand dollars on an RV? Uh, they can now think about how do I leverage Camplify to help me pay for that RV. And so, you know, our real focus is on those newer customers into the market. You know, how can they? How can we help them to be able to think about Camplify as part of the buying decision? So we know that the Caribbean Industry Association of Australia did a study in the last couple of years about new market entrants. And they found that around 50% of them were thinking about leveraging the sharing economy in some way to help being able to pay off their vehicle. So, you know, we're, that means that we're cutting through the customers in that sort of segment, uh, our understanding where we can play a part. And then, you know, we're utilising the, the data that sits behind that customer demographic uh, base to be able to reach them through multi-channel marketing approach. So digital cut through, you know, traditional above the line marketing PR, you name it. So, you know, very focused on that core customer who we know will come to our platform, uh, will engage with the platform and will stay a customer for, for a long time with us. So, you know, we, we feel as though we've got a good market segment that we've identified and that those customers are loyal long-term and that they're able to really help us to ramp up the network effect that Camplify can generate through uh, utilizing that customer. You know, I think we we saw from Campify's Instagram, like not only are you allowing owners to, to rent out their RVs, you are actually creating small businesses within your Campify's ecosystem. And it's really amazing, right? Like I was thinking from an owner's point of view, if I rent an RV, uh, if I purchase an RV, and then if my rental can actually um, be more than how much I'm paying for my monthly installment, it's actually a huge business opportunity. And, you know, from the highest point of view, I have a variety of choices. There's so many different vans of, of, of choices that I can pick. And, you know, it, it's really amazing. And just to follow up on that, you know, is there some sort of seasonality in terms of the fleet addition? And, and would you expect some months to have more or less owner's registration as well as on the higher side? Like which period should we kind of expect a high and low demand? Yeah, so I think to answer the first part of that, yes, we're certainly seeing this evolution of a customer from a traditional peer-to-peer -peer person that's got one vehicle through to you know, a micro business to a small business. And so you know, a lot of our customers that we've seen evolve with us over the last couple of years, um, you know, I'll pick out one customer in particular, Luke, his name is, who um, I remember you know, back when I was running the social media accounts myself, you know, I saw Luke comment on one of our ads that we were running on Facebook saying, oh, I'm not sure this, is, this, is, this will work. What about insurance? How you know I've got a single camper trailer? How would that work for me? And then we started engaging with him. Luke came through, signed up, listed his camper trailer with us. He then found very quickly that the amount of booking requests that he was getting 
uh, there's actually opportunity there for him to buy more. So you know, now Luke has uh, about 15 vehicles that he rents out through us. So, and you know, we've got lots of customers that are like that that have found that little niche for them. They've found their geography. They've found the right vehicle type, being really successful with you know having lots of vehicles on the platform. So, you know, a great opportunity for us to really uh, support those customers and, and for them to support us. From a seasonality perspective, you know, there's definitely you know some trends that occur as part of the overall weather patterns and also tourist travel uh, patterns that we see. So there's and that varies in each, each different country. So uh, in Australia, you know we have a very much a, a focus around school holidays. You now we'll see some ups and downs in the school holiday periods, but you know we certainly see more activity in when it builds in past spring into summer. And then, you know, great activity up to the Easter period in, in autumn. And then it sort of slows down a little bit in winter uh, and then picks back up again in spring. So, you know, we see that quite regularly uh, in the New Zealand market. Uh, it's a little bit more compressed. So, it, you know, it gets quite cold in a camper van in New Zealand in winter. So when you see, you know, more activity in the summer months, and that's very similar to the UK. In Spain, it's a little bit longer because they have a bit better climate. So, uh, you know, we'll see a lengthening of that um that actual season that we have, but now certainly you know, some months you know, much lower than others because we have these patterns of public holidays, bank holidays, uh, school holidays that, that are, are scattered throughout the year. All right, thanks. That was helpful. And uh, Justin, I'd just like to jump back a little bit on what you shared about uh, Luke. And you know, one of his initial concerns was about insurance. So I'd just like to talk a little bit about uh, this fleet insurance. And you know, I can understand where is the a look coming from from an owner's perspective that I will want to know that my van is safe in the high-risk care and mm-hmm. that I am covered for any accident by them. And from a high-risk perspective, it's simply that I want to pay as little as possible or even $0 in the case of an accident. So how do you make sure that this process is simple and frictionless to cover both hirers and owners? Yeah, look, it's been a very long journey with insurance for us. You know, we... We started out having the customer to go and get their own insurance. And, you know, that was limiting with who we can service. Then uh, eventually, you know, after going to lots and lots of insurance companies, we, we managed to get our own product built. And that means that, you know, we can now uh, provide that on a per day basis to the customer. And it really makes it so simple for them to be able to list their vehicle and, and get covered for the days that they're on rent. And it, it provides you know, great coverage for the owner, uh, great safety. We get involved in the uh, actual claims process to make it as easy as possible for them and to try and you know, provide a, a smooth, fast resolution process for them because you know, th- accidents happen sometimes, but we want to make sure that number one, they're covered Number two, uh, it's smooth and easy uh, for them. From you know, a high-risk perspective, what we'd, we've seen over the last couple of years is actually that you know, we, ha- we used to have this you know, high excess that if you, if you damage something, then uh, you know, there was a, an excess to pay. But you know, our customers came to us and said, hey, how do I reduce it down? Because I don't want to have to pay a bill if I break something. So we actually you know, crafted that, that product that we have, which is our uh, accident excess reduction product, around that need from the customer. So, you know, lots of research, started looking at what our competitors offer in that space, looking at what the customer really wants. How can we, you know, create a very you know, good system for that that particular customer? And, you know, now I feel like we've got a, 
a product that you know, provides great protection and, and value for the price that we we charge for it. And you know, when when everything stacks up from our perspective, also it's it's a great uh, great margin product that we we can provide. So uh, you know, it's a, it's good solution for everyone involved for for us, for the owner, for the hirer. And when you can achieve that, then you know it's it, you're you're onto a winner. Thanks. That's very insightful. And to touch a bit as an owner listing in Camplify. So Camplify has a very unique premium membership or PM feature that makes it worthwhile for these owners to enjoy the platform with reduced commissions, unlimited rental days, and many more benefits. And I think once a non-PM becomes a PM, the platform becomes so much more stickier for them. It's something like the Superhost batch in Airbnb. So could you share what are some push-pull marketing initiatives and incentives that Campify has to convert a non-PM to be a PM? Yeah, so we identified that customers who, like Luke, who really wanted to engage with the platform, they wanted to just focus on delivering a great customer experience to growing their fleet, to be able to provide sort of the next level up of service and also get the next level up of of marketing and, and experience and service from us needed a different product. And so that's why we, we crafted our, our premium membership product, which you know includes uh, you know on-platform marketing, off-platform marketing, you know, and a whole range of different levels of services and integrations to other systems. And you know, also a, a level up of insurance as well to cover them for extra things like you know off-road coverage. And so you know, that product is very uh, well patronized. It's a great product that you know really delivers a lot of value for the customer. And you know what we see is that those customers, you know, they're the customers that get the most out of Camplify because they're actually you know, getting all these additional products and services and they're growing with us and they're really engaging really well with us and you know focused on how they can deliver a great service. And that really helps encourage them to be able to um, you know deliver more and get more. And like you said, it's a very similar way that Airbnb seen, seen that same approach from the, from their super host category as well. So, uh, you know, from our perspective, we see the uh, casual member, if you like, the non-PM, as getting a taste of Camplify and understanding how Camplify can actually deliver products and services for them and, and developing their interaction with the platform, uh, their, their interaction with us, um, how they're going to service their customer. Uh, and, you know, we see quite a lot of those customers then during that journey uh, in the first couple, you know, sort of three months will we'll actually convert into a PM. Great. I think it's nice to hear that you guys are always trying to see how you can value add to both your hirers and owners. And, you know, Justin, one thing that we recently saw was that Camplify appeared on 7 Network with Sam Mac as well as other news outlet. And you're also partnering with Supercast and started to perform some sponsorship activities such as Players Champion. So how do you measure the success of your own marketing strategies? both domestically and globally? Yeah, we're very focused on customer acquisition cost. So you know, we understand that there's a, there's a CAC that you need to spend to acquire customers when you're in growth mode. The longer you've been in market, the more customers you've got. Generally speaking, that CAC will come down as you're getting uh, more, more customers aware of your brand, more story being told uh, out there organically about what you're delivering. So, you know, we, we look at every single marketing activity we do and, and see, first of all, how can we measure that? And second of all, what does that deliver for us in terms of the demographic that we're trying to seek uh, in the market that we're trying to uh, activate? 
whether it be from a hirer or an owner's perspective? And then how do we attribute that back to our uh, customer acquisition cost and, and measure against that? So now we're very um, strategic in the way that we spend marketing dollars, um, but it is something that you know we, we see the real need to ramp up marketing spend at the moment so that we can get more of that you know, customer base that is out there that, you know, that we can really continue to grow from that addressable market opportunity that we have. Thanks, that was helpful. So now let's talk a little bit about the travel restrictions, which I'm sure everyone is waiting for more positive news. And mm. currently with COVID travel restrictions, consumers have to settle for local travel experiences. So for example, in Australia, you will be renting an RV from Campify and doing road trips. So could you share with us your thoughts on the overall industry landscape once travel restriction is? Uh, how would the domestic market compare to the international tourists that are coming into Australia? Yeah, like we've been in a very funny market in Australia for the last two years, but particularly in the last 12 months where, you know, we've seen a really good pickup after, you know, restrictions started to ease. We saw some you know, great recovery out of the original, you know, COVID lockdown period in 2020. And then we saw the Delta variant come out, which, you know, cha changed everything again. So now we've had, I think in the last 12 months, we've experienced something like 16 lockdowns across the locations that we operate in Australia. And, and they've been the most, in most recent times, really extensive lockdowns. So Sydney, you know, it's been in lockdown since uh, mid-June, right through till you know a couple of weeks ago. You know, we've had uh, the whole state of New South Wales in lockdown for you know a twelve-week period. We've had the whole state of Victoria in lockdown for you know quite some time, and you know now we're just starting to emerge from this. So you know the New South Wales uh, Victorian state border has just been dropped. But we still have border restrictions in between Queensland and other states and Western Australia. And, uh, you know, so it's very hard for the consumer at the moment to, number one, book something and know that they're going to be able to go on holidays. And number two, trust that path that we're on from, you know, what the government's told us is not going to change. And so, uh, you know, people are just starting you know, at the moment to get back into regular life, you know, being able to you know, go to the go to the shops get a haircut, send their kids to school. So, you know, we've got this little period now where uh, people uh, are getting more consumer confidence and then, you know, that's going to lead us into uh, the real summer period, which picks up, uh, you know, this month and uh, further into, uh, into December. And then, you know, I think once we have that confidence from customers, we'll really start to see a great resurgence in terms of uh, domestic travel, especially when, state borders come down. That's really one of the keys for domestic travel is that, you know, people can not just travel within their own state, but can go anywhere in Australia and be able to experience it. Um, you know, there's only a certain amount of trips you want to do inside your own state. You know, you want to be able to go a bit further afield. Um, so, you know, I think once that um, happens and we have a bit more confidence as consumers, uh, we'll really start to see things, um, you know, considerably ramp up. Uh, you know, from an international perspective, uh, I guess we're looking at uh, kind of two two key things. Um, the first one is when can Aussies travel to New Zealand, uh, and you know that's not too far away. Uh, they're at uh, right now at about uh, I think ninety one percent single vax, uh, so they're not, not far away from the double vax status. You know, we're hopeful that, that probably by January that you know, we'll see some ability for Aussies to travel to New Zealand. Now, that's a massive market opportunity when we can get Aussies back into that market. That Aussies 
uh, previously made up around about 40% of, of New Zealand's total tourist uh, sector. And out of that number, about 70% of Aussies cho chose a road trip holiday. So, you know, big opportunity for us, you know, in this through this new acquisition to actually service that those Australians going to the New Zealand market. You know, from an international perspective, you know, we've only just eased restrictions uh, for people to be able to come into Australia, but not the whole of Australia, only New South Wales right now uh, from a quarantine perspective. So, you know, I think there'll be a little bit of time before people feel confident enough to be able to come to Australia, not have to be quarantined, to be able to go throughout the whole of the country and not have to manage different state borders. Uh, but when they, that does come back, um, you know, Australia is a, a fantastic road trip destination. Uh, we provide, um, you know, all these different experiences that you can do, uh, you know, and we're obviously a very big country. So, you know, doing it in a, in a, a camper van is, is magnificent. And, you know, in, in a pre-COVID time, that was a great uh, holiday for uh, lots of Europeans, lots, lots of Asians to be able to um, to undertake that. So, uh, you know, we're looking forward to getting back to being able to service that customer uh, and you know, really leverage the growth that we've seen in the last few years uh, in both um, distribution and services to be able to uh, be there for that customer when they're ready to return. That's interesting to know. And, you know, talking about international travel, I know I've been to Australia myself, to Sydney and Melbourne, and some, I did a road trip between there and, you know, just driving past there, wherever you go, it's always a beautiful sight. Mm -hmm. So definitely, if you ask me, and I'm also looking forward to going back to Australia and there's some pent up demand for international travels mm -hmm. as well. So, mm -hmm. you know, could you share with us how are you planning to spread the word of Camplify and, you know, attract more international tourists to know that there is this peer-to-peer -peer RV marketplace that uh, Australia and you offer? Yeah, I think from our perspective, we've seen that evolution of traveller from a you know, booking a hotel on uh, booking.com or Expedia to having the trust and making the decision via um, Airbnb and being able to engage directly with your host, uh, being able to look at the exact experience you're going to have with you know the apartment you're booking or in our case, the vehicle you're booking, being able to look at the reviews of that person that's being able to you know provide that to you knowing in detail and being able to plan exactly what you're doing, I think is now more important than ever. So, you know, that's where we can provide that next level uh, than what a traditional uh, provider can, can do. Uh, so for us, it's about how do we ramp up our customers? How do we uh, turn on marketing activities in other countries? How do we inspire people to be able to do the, the trips that we're providing uh, and that our, our customers and, and our community are doing. So, you know, I think from us, you'll see a lot more inspirational contact, uh, uh, content. Uh, we'll provide a lot more um, itineraries and uh, trips that you can do, uh, being able to really you know, map that out so we can show you, you know, if you arrive in Sydney, here's, all, here's a great, you know, idea for you to go and do these things that uh, might be not the normal tourist activity to do, but you know something that actually, in a, a COVID world, you can do safely. You can do self-contained, and you can do something a little bit different away from you know massive crowds and all that kind of stuff. So you know, I think really that's our leverage and and the way that we can uh, really service that and, and provide a great experience to that customer. All right, thanks, Justin. That was insightful, and I think one of it is also doing partnerships. For example, one recently that you guys did was with Zorali. You know, I think it, it helps to also spread the word of Clampify. Too. Absolutely. So, so let's shift gears a little bit and talk about your financials. 
And you know, right now, Camplify is in an operating loss position. And it makes sense as you will want to reinvest into the business to improve the platform and capture more customers. And we are definitely still at a very early stage. So what are some indicators that you use to assess whether to ramp up or reduce marketing spend in your key markets? Yeah, so I think we look at, you know, we're, we're a supply demand platform. So, you know, we're looking at what is the demand that we're generating through the platform? What is the, con- the consumer positioning in terms of having a desire to consume this type of uh, experience? How can we service them from the fleet size that we have and the way that our owners are actually engaging with that demand? And then, so do we, do we need to get more stock? Do we need to get more demand? And you know, so far, we, the answer to us always is get more stock. So you know, that's, that's where we're really focused as a business right now to be able to really service that demand. So we're looking at you know, those, that, that search data. We're looking at the um, effectiveness of our marketing campaigns. How much can we acquire an owner for? How much can we acquire a hire for? What's the conversion ratio uh, on page? What's the conversion ratio from a booking request into a paid booking? Uh, how can we um, you know, get better engagement from the owner? How do we get more rental days from the owner? So you know, all of these different metrics that uh, form a linkage together to provide an overall look at the, the entire customer experience from both sides of the marketplace to uh, you know, feed into that decision-making metrics uh, to, for us to be able to look at uh, what do we need to do in that, in that environment? Right. So following up on that, Justin, in the next three to five years as Campify scales up, uh, what kind of long-term gross and operating profit margin profile are you expecting? Would it be similar to Airbnb? Uh, yeah, look, I think key to us as a business is, you know, obviously we've been growing pretty fast. We've been growing the last few years at sort of, you know, average of 100% uh, CAGR. You know, we're spending around about 70% of our costs on, on growth. When we want to turn on profitability and turn off growth, we can do that. So, you know, from our perspective, you know, as you mentioned before, we've still got such a small amount of the addressable market. So, you know, we really want to focus on how we get a lot more of that market. How do we become not just a dominant player, but, you know, continue that growth in a market that we see that demand from the consumer. Uh, So wherever we're seeing that demand, you know, it's hard to turn that down. Um, So we want to really... Uh, focus on that scale, focus on how we can get to a position where, you know, over the next couple of years, we get to get to break even and then punch through to profitability. And, you know, without really having to provide a significant amount more costs, because we're, you know, we've got a really good uh, tech base, we've got a great finance base, uh, we've got a good customer base, but with a lot more demand there to be able to spread that word and get more and more and more. But at some point, you, that network effect really takes off for you and you, you don't need to spend as much on marketing as you had before. You have better customer retention in terms of people reusing your platform over and over again. You've got more word of mouth. Uh, you've got you know more organic growth than what you had before. And you can spend less on telling that story. Uh, you can spend less uh, because you've automated more on, on uh, servicing the customer and you know that that journey of the uh, the owner you know through to being able to service their customer through to being able to continue to grow is really automated through the platform so you know we've still got a little bit to run on that journey uh, over the next couple of years but you know we're, we're in a fantastic position to be able to really um, continue what we've done um, over you know the last last sort of six seven years 
All right, thanks. So Justin, you've, you've achieved a lot for yourself through your contributions. And you know, I, I just like to thank you for building Camplify from the ground up. And I just want to say that this interview has been truly enlightening, really insightful. So could you share with our listeners, you know, like what are some things that you want investors to know about the future of Camplify and where would you like to see Camplify in three to five years time? Yeah, I think this is a, it's a really interesting space that we operate in, in this sort of caravanning and camping sector. It's a really emerging market. It's something that has become a real trend over the last few years. You know, it reconnects families together, disconnects them from technology. It uh, is a great, great way for, for people to you know, experience, get back to nature, out of cities. But at the same time, the market segment has a lot of growth to do in itself to providing an easier digital experience for the customer. So we're just a one small part of that sector overall. But the overall sector has a huge, huge amount of opportunity and growth. Um, so now from our perspective, what we're trying to do is being a, a market digital leader uh, in this space uh, and then being able to sort of expand our product offering, expand our product stack uh, in this overall segment. And also then being able to do that through different geographies. So, uh, you know, we think, you know, we're just at the start of our journey uh, and there's there's a lot, a lot of opportunities to grow uh, along. Um, through many, many different segments in, in this uh, overall uh, caravan camping space. Amazing. So I just have one last question before we end this podcast. And, you know, Justin, we always like to end off with a very unique and interesting question. So if you have a magic wand and with a wave of that wand, you can solve three problems in Capify. So what are these three problems or challenges that you face right now and you hope that it can get solved as quickly as possible? Uh, well, I think the first one would be, you know, we're operating uh, a global business and we've got a very distributed team and we have, we do a great job and you can do a certain amount of things over Zoom. But you know, if I had a magic wand, I'd definitely be able to teleport myself to other other countries and locations to, to be able to meet with my team and, and be able to help solve problems in those other geographies that we're in, you know, particularly a spotlight's been shown on that because of inability to really travel internationally from Australia due to COVID. So uh, that'd be one. Uh, you know, the second one, as an entrepreneur and, a, and someone who's running a tech business, I always want a huge list of things I want to build for the customers. You know, I always would like, you know, software to be built faster, to be built in lots of different ways at lots of time, but building a really excellent platform, you know, you've got to, got to build it like a high rise building, you know, build it from the ground up. So you just, you just can't build everything at once. And, you know, probably the, the last one is have a desire to do more, more products, you know, more service, more customers, get into more markets, do it faster. So sometimes, once again, we don't want to churn our customers. We want to look after the customers and nurture them. But I would, you know, at the same time, love to love to do more at a faster rate. So um, I guess that's probably the three three things. All right. Thank you, Justin. So that's all the questions I have. And, you know, thank you for being generous with your time to be here with us today. I enjoy our conversation and, you know, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Uh, this will definitely help our listeners to understand Campify on a deeper level. Thank you so much, Justin. Yeah, thank you for having me. And anybody, feel free to um, follow me on LinkedIn. I provide a lot of updates about Campify on there. Thank you for listening to the Growth Investing Secrets Podcast. If you are interested to learn more about growth investing, simply go to growthinvestingmastery.com slash homepage or click the link in the podcast details.